Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. All right. I want to talk to you about raising up a generation. Now, if you are exposed to social media, to the news, to anything, some of the thoughts you might have to yourself are, oh my gosh, this next generation is crazy. These people are nuts. Like, I've come across videos and it makes me like mad and sad at the same time. Like, I mean, it breaks my heart to see some people, uh, not just because they're different. I mean, yes, this next generation coming up, their styles are different. The way they talk can be different, but that's true of any generation. Every new generation has new things. Every new generation wants to set itself apart in some way, shape, or form. Our kids do that, right? Very few kids grow up, at least, you know, as they're younger, to be just like their mom or dad. At some point in their life, they're, they're, they desire to separate themselves a little bit. They want to try to be unique. They want to try to, they want to, try to find themselves in some way, shape, or form. Now, oftentimes, uh, depending on the household, depending on the parents, those kids will eventually take on a lot of the characteristics of their parents. It just seems to be the natural way of things, right? Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I remember thinking there's a lot of things that my dad said and did. I'm just like, oh my gosh, my dad's kind of a goofball. You know, I'm going to do my own thing when I grow up. I find myself saying some of the things that he used to say or still says, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's totally my dad. Out of nowhere, I'll say these things. I used this example in youth group a couple weeks back. Uh, my dad always, and still does, so does my granddad, carries a handkerchief. I thought that was the grossest thing in the world when I was a kid. Like, that is disgusting, right? I carry a handkerchief and have since probably college because it just made sense. At one point in my life, it just started making sense. Now, I, wanted, I, I share that with you because... It's super easy, it's super easy to kind of, uh, of look at this next generation that's coming up and be dismissive of them and be uh, uh, maybe angry or upset at some of the things that they're doing or saying. This generation is one of the most confused, depressed generations that we have ever had in our nation, in our world, completely blinded. So many of them completely blinded to the truth. Many of them not even thinking there's any such thing as absolute truth. Their, their very identity, who God created them to be, is quote-unquote fluid. What does fluid mean? It means it can change. Fluid doesn't stay in the same place unless it's contained. Fluidity means that it's going and flowing. It's changing with the wind. Every day can be something different. Can you imagine living a life where you don't really know who you are because every day you might feel something different and there's no anchor, there's nothing grounding you anywhere? And at some point, that realization is they're going to hit a wall. That realization is going to hit to them, I don't know who I am. And that's when depression sets in. That's when the actual understanding that they're lost sets in. History is being rewritten. Moral standards have been washed away for this upcoming generation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, and I, I, 
uh, read out of the New Living Translation. I know we have New King James here, so the, you'll, the translation might be a little bit different from what's on the screen, but that's okay. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look in verse 10. And many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. I didn't get a lot of amens there. The love of many will grow cold. Have you seen a time in our history, and I know I'm a super young guy, but have you seen a time in our history, our nation? I know we've had turbulent times before, but I mean like complete, utter hatred of one another in different segments of our society. Absolute vitriolic hatred. So I would say we've even maybe gone a little past love growing cold, wouldn't you say? It's so easy to completely dismiss and be like, these people are crazy. I'm not even going to put up with it. I'm not going to stand for it. I'm just going to go about my line, my life. I love the quote from uh, Kelsey Grammer's character, Chuck Smith, in the Jesus Revolution, the movie we just went and saw. I think most everybody went with us to see it. If you didn't get the chance to see it with us last Saturday, please, please, please check it out. Buy it. Go to the theater. Go 10 times, whatever. It was such a good movie. He has a line in that movie that says, when God walks in here and brings me a hippie, I'm going to ask them what it's all about because I do not understand. I feel that way about this generation that's coming up. When I come across a student that thinks some of these things, some of these cultural thoughts about gender fluidity and all this other stuff, like I'm going to ask them about it because I do not understand. I had a conversation with a young lady a couple weeks back in youth group. She was visiting. She'd only been, uh, I couldn't say visiting. She'd only been youth group a couple times and that was a while back. Uh, we ended up having some really great conversations. A friend of Jess's, Jessa brought her up, and Jessa's like, she's got some questions. All right, perfect. Well, let's sit down and talk them out. Uh, and thankfully, Jessa was bold enough because her friend wasn't. She was very shy. But we ended up having some great conversations, and she had some honest, legitimate questions. Now, I want you to think about this. We have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity here to impact the next generation. The next generation that's coming up, that lost generation, the generation that we sometimes just as soon pretend doesn't exist because we just do not understand. So we have two options. We have two options. Option one is the easier option. Are you ready? If you're taking notes. Option one is to ignore them, to go about your life. It's easier that way. I don't have to get involved in messy conversations. I'm not an apologist. I know what I believe, but sometimes I'm not real good at putting it into words. So I just as soon not talk about it. That person is crazy. Those kids are crazy. My neighbor is crazy. They have the weirdest mixed up thoughts on things. And I'm just, I'm uh, better off just not even getting involved. So we could ignore it. We could. But option two, I think, is probably uh, as a... uh, follower of Jesus Christ, probably the better way to go. Let's look at option number two is reach out. Reach out to that next generation. Reach out to that next generation. You don't have to understand everything about the way somebody thinks. You don't have to understand about everything about their upbringing or about where these crazy ideas came from or anything like that. You simply have to reach out, build relationships, have conversations, start small. Start small. 
Because you're not going to go up to somebody that you don't really know and start with the deep things of life, typically, right? Unless they come up asking you like Jess's friend did. We, we got into some deep conversations because she was ready to talk about some deep stuff. And she knew, uh, I guess, as a, uh, as a youth minister, maybe I was ready to have those deep conversations. And we had a good chat about some things. But with the typical person that you're going to run into, that's not where you're going to start. You're going to start small, right? Hey, where are you from? How's everything going? Tell me about, tell me about your parents. Like, well, you know, just, you know what I'm saying? Get to know them. Get to know their world a little bit. And you'll find as you do that, God will give you openings to share your faith and to establish a foundation of truth in that relationship. Dr. Laurel Williams, a chief of psychiatry at Texas Children's Hospital. I like this quote. She says, there's a lack. This was in an article in a study done on um, depression in uh, teens and young adults. She said, the la- there's a lack of community. There's the amount of time that we spend in front of screens and not in front of other people. If you don't have a community to reach out to, then your hopelessness doesn't have any place to go. When you don't have a community to reach out to, your hopelessness doesn't have any place to go. If you are struggling with a fluid identity, you don't really know who you are or where you fit in, or maybe the only group that you've been able to fit into is another group of people who don't know who they are or where they fit in. I love, I don't want to, this isn't a message about Jesus Revolution movie. I just, it impacted, I just loved it. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but did anybody notice uh, towards the beginning of the movie when we're, when we're getting introduced to Greg's character, when he was experimenting with drugs and all that stuff, did you see the, how the director, how they, they edited the contrast? You see the drugs and the parties, you see the airplane dropping uh, acid, whatever that was, tablets or paper, whatever, all over the crowd, right? And then you see this church revolution that's just that's starting to pick up. And you see the love and hope of Jesus. And then you come back and you see this life. And then you come back and you see this. Did you see the contrast they were painting? They were even painting a contrast with the speaker that was up on stage. When he was saying, everybody comes. Everybody. We love everybody. You know, just this real worldly kind of just all accepting love with no foundation underneath of it. And then we hear Chuck on the other side, back-to-back scenes, talking about the love of Jesus Christ. Let's open, God, let's open God's word together. It was an amazing contrast. That's the contrast we as believers are meant to give to the world. We are meant to be that contrast. We are meant to be that truth, that foundation. When they don't know Jesus, we're to be Jesus to them. Does that make sense? We are to represent Jesus to them. We are the image of Christ to that lost and hurting people. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, Looking in verse 3. For a long time Israel was without, one, without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him out, they found Him. During those dark times, it wasn't even safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation, city against city. God was troubling them with every kind of problem. But as for you... Be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. During dark times, during struggling times, when people are lost, without a priest, without God's word, may not even be 
safe to walk on the streets, what does God say? When they, when they will turn to me, I'm here. I haven't abandoned them. I've seen very real uh, uh, evidence, to me anyway, that looks like our society has been abandoned as a whole, but the individual will never be abandoned. When they come to God, He is there. When they come to God, He is there. But they need somebody to lead them to Him. And that's where you come in. That's where I come in. We are to guide and lead them. Because God says, when they seek me, they will find me. When they seek me, they will find me. But as for you, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. We are to be strong and courageous. This generation and this society and this culture may seem insane, and it may seem lost, and it may seem completely without hope. And yet with God, there is always hope. There is always hope. That that is our mission field. That is our mission field. When you see somebody that's completely different than you, dresses different, talks different, acts different, was raised different, was from a different place than you were from, it's so easy to be like, that kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't even want to approach that right now. Now, granted, I'm coming at this from a type A personality. I can talk to anybody and don't know a stranger. So it maybe comes a little bit easier for me, but I want you to stretch yourself. If you find yourself on the opposite spectrum and you're like, it's very, Matt, it's very hard for me to bring up conversations with people, even menial conversations, there's no better time to practice than now because there's a lost, hurting generation out there and they need you. They need a kind word. They need somebody who's willing to stand for the truth in love because there's a whole lot of people standing for the truth, but they're not doing it in love. I've seen those picket lines too. I've seen those signs. There may be some truth to those signs, but they're not being held up and shouted in love. We have to make sure that we are, we are planting that seed of truth in love, that we are standing a firm foundation and planting that firm foundation in love. It takes time to build those relationships. It takes time to build that community. If you've ever started a new job, did you jump in the first day and felt like you knew everybody and was super comfortable? Of course not. Same with a new school or a new class. Or a new church, if you moved and you're jumping into a new church, do you just jump in the first? No, absolutely not. It takes some time to build community. So this is a process. What we're talking about tonight is a process. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. It's going to take you reaching out to somebody who you do not know and showing the love of Jesus Christ to them. It's going to take time to build that community, to build that relationship. We have students back in our youth room on Wednesday nights whose parents do not come to church whose parents do not go to church anywhere. And so getting them to come on a Sunday morning is a little bit of a struggle. And now, so unfortunately, since we don't have a main service on Wednesday nights anymore, they don't really get a whole lot of exposure to the church body at large. So I've been trying to encourage as many of them as possible to come on first Wednesdays, and they'll get a little bit more exposure to the, to the church family when we hang out together and when we uh, worship together and we study God's Word together. But any opportunity you have, whether it's church events like the movie night we had the other night or whether it's a cookout or a picnic or anything, whatever it is, a game night, whatever it is, and if you see students or if you see people that you don't normally know, don't normally hang out with, if you see guests that have come in, welcome them, talk to them, get to know them. If you see a guest come in on a Sunday morning, invite them out to lunch, learn about their 
uh, life a little bit, you know? I mean, obviously, don't, like, completely grill them. It's not, you know, it's not an interrogation, but you know what I mean? Like, just get to know them a little bit. Take that time over the course of a number of days or weeks and build that community, build that relationship. I'm going to look at two verses real quick. Second Timothy, chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I remember, this is, this is Paul talking to Timothy here. Okay, remember Paul and Timothy are, have a very tight relationship as well. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now keep that in mind and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, uh, towards the end of chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 31. I'm going to read on into uh, the first verse of chapter 11. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything that I do. I don't tr- just do what, I, what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And in verse 1, chapter 11 says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now, I want to take these two verses, okay? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is that going to happen seeing somebody one time? Of course not. Paul's not talking about somebody he's only met once and then says, see you later. He's talking about somebody that he's with on a regular basis. Imitate me because you see me living life. You see the way I talk. You see how I act. You see how I treat other people. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And when he talked to Timothy, he said, man, keep strong the faith that you learned from your mom and your grandma. This is community. This is what happens in community. When children are raised up in a loving community of faith-filled believers, loving community of the Word, where we have a foundation of truth, doesn't mean they're not going to make mistakes, doesn't mean they're not going to go off the rails, but they'll come back. In Jesus' name, they will come back. Because they are seeing, represented before them, Jesus. This next generation appears to be completely hopeless. But that is not how God sees it. God sees this next generation as an amazing harvest. These fields are white with harvest. These college university or these college campuses and these uh, uh, neighborhoods full of kids who are being inundated with all kinds of terrible theology and terrible information and how everything is your own truth and do what you want to do. Live your life. Do you do you? Whatever your truth is, that's what's true for you. It's utter nonsense. And yet if that's what they're hearing and that's what they're taking to heart and that's what they're seeing lived out as an example in front of them, that's what they will imitate. Does that make sense? So as the church... As a family of God, we need to imitate the real truth of Jesus Christ in love in such a way that they are able to see a stark contrast between the world and between God and His people. We are to be an example. This takes time. This takes time. This isn't going to happen overnight. This takes a church that is willing to repent and willing to dig its heels in and say, No more. We are not giving up any more ground. We are not giving up any more ground. I've seen videos and and clips of pastors teaching the most insane things. 
Absolutely unbelievable. So it happens in schools, it happens on campuses, and now it's even happening in some churches. Absolutely, utterly insane. We need to set a better example. We need to set a better standard. We need to understand the truth, and we need to rightly divide the Word of God. And then in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 19. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then, say then, then, after you've repented and you've come to God, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and He will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Times of refreshing will come from the Lord. When we live out that example of Jesus Christ in front of others, when we live out the truth, when we set a firm foundation and set that example in Christ Jesus, it will bring, you let Jesus do the work, right? We're to be examples. We're to share the truth in love. God brings the conviction. When God brings them over and they're ready to submit their hearts to Jesus Christ and they repent, we're going to see what we're seeing in Asbury University. We're going to see what we're seeing pop up in universities and places all over this nation. Times of revival and repentance and getting on our faces before God. When we set that example and set that example for the next generation, for those around us, when we set that example, we're going to see repentance. We're going to see revival. We're going to see this happening all over the place. Because when we repent and turn, when we invite others to repent and turn, God will not only change their hearts, He will build community and allow us to continue to expand and reach that next generation. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.